Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, a big name auto CEO gets arrested and a giant change for the annual White House Correspondents' Dinner. But first, Facebook keeps losing friends. So the past week has been downright awful for the social network. Not because of anything new that it did or didn't do, but because there were a bunch of new revelations about its conduct in the aftermath of already known scandals like Cambridge Analytica and Russian-born fake news during the 2016 election. So first came a New York Times report revealing how Mark Zuckerberg was largely out of the loop on these big issues, often delegating to top Lieutenant Sheryl Sandberg, who herself sometimes delegated downward. And when decisions were made, a lot of it was done under the auspices of not risking the ire of Republicans who already distrusted Facebook, or as one Facebook exec in D.C. said, don't poke the bear which really didn't work out so well for anybody. The company also seemed to mislead Congress for months on the Russian interference issue, kind of slow walking it, before finally coming clean or sort of clean, since then further disclosures came later, often prompted by new media reports. And at the same time, quietly, Facebook was lobbying senators to be softer on it in public, allegedly leading Chuck Schumer, whose daughter works at Facebook, to tell a fellow senator to effectively back off. And finally, the company hired political PR firms on both the left and the right, which is something that was previously known but not really noticed until now. So Zuckerberg reportedly referred to a lot of the criticism, particularly the idea the company misled people as bullshit during an employee call late last week. But here's what's very real. The talk of Zuckerberg running for president or Sandberg returning to D.C. in a Democratic administration is over buried. Now the only talk is about if they deserve to keep running one of the world's most powerful companies. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with New York Times tech reporter Mike Isaac. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Mike Isaac, a New York Times tech reporter who covers Facebook. So, Mike, based on everything that we've learned, say, over the past week, from your perspective, is Facebook's biggest problem its own top executives, namely Mark and Cheryl, or is it a broader corporate culture issue? Mm, I think, well, one of the biggest problems for the past year with Facebook has basically been, I think probably two years ago, Mark and Cheryl kind of been checked out doing their own things, right? You know, Mark was on the road getting to understand the United States and, and its citizens, and Cheryl was sort of doing her book thing. So you could argue that, okay, they were checked out and now they're coming back in and saying, we're going to take charge and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I think that's still kind of a, a tough sell. I think they still think that it's more of a, a communications problem and, and they can handle this. But it's sort of like, I think, a, maybe a hubris to say they still kind of look at it as we handled this big transition from desktops to mobile in a really quick amount of time. Now we can handle this disinformation problem in the same sort of way. And I just, I don't know. I don't see it as a simple problem that they can solve as simply as the last one that they had. Mike, you reported on a meeting that Zuckerberg had with employees last week. What was the big takeaway from that meeting for you? Yeah, totally. So Zuckerberg had a point that I agreed with 
with, which is a lot of the leaks that are coming out right now are just a big morale problem for them. And typically, Facebook is not a company that has really deep leaks at all levels, especially at some of the senior levels, unless there's some serious dysfunction on. And, and people who work at Facebook usually sort of drink the Kool-Aid, I would say, or sort of buy into the mission. So this was really a meeting about rallying the troops, saying, look, he said, part of the story was fair in the sense that we were definitely slow, we were definitely behind, and there are criticisms that we had not handled disinformation correctly. That's true. But there's absolutely no way, he said BS very emphatically, there's absolutely no way that we tried to hide or obscure any information from the people. Do you agree? Do you think that they tried to hide things from the public? I don't see that's the thing. Like, I, I think right now it's one of those, you know, there's a moment with Cheryl and Alex Stamos who's the chief security officer, who are basically sort of going back and forth on the urgency of the matter. And I think there was probably a moment for Cheryl where she was more concerned about how this is going to look for the company because she sort of, there was a scene in our story, which is a fight between the two, essentially. And she was kind of like, you threw us under the bus. You sort of did some of the stuff without our knowledge. And that read to me more sort of a personal protection moment rather than, are we going to be okay? Is the country going to be okay? But I do think that, I guess to be fair for them, like part of this is sort of ineptitude and slow response. And like, it's hard for me to fully tell the point at which ineptitude becomes irresponsibility and even sort of keeping things from people. You mentioned morale. So that's employee morale. Do you feel these stories and kind of this constant drip, 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 does this ultimately affect the business? And I guess I'm thinking in in two ways. One, Mm -hmm. customers or consumers, particularly this video device that I guess you've tried out, this portal, you know, that there's could be Mm -hmm. potential privacy concerns for consumers or trust concerns, and then even advertisers in terms of effectively aligning themselves, right? Which is what you do when you advertise on a platform. Is this just a media story in internal story inside headquarters that's a problem for, you know, internally at the company, or or is this going to bleed out? Yeah, it's funny. You and I were both reporting on Uber last year, and this whole thing reminds me of the Uber situation, which is, say, you know, it was a super media firestorm. Everyone just sort of, even consumers just had this nebulous sort of, ugh, this grossness around the company. But one thing that the company kept maintaining is, you know, our business is doing well. This is, the lines are going up. We're still growing. Facebook is slightly different in that they are sort of hitting these growth ceilings right now. And I think there are people that are starting to not use that platform as much, but what they're doing, and I think this is actually smart, is trying to maintain or contain all the damage to Facebook, the brand, and keep some of their other brands sterling. You notice that you never see any talk about Instagram in any of these stories, and they are very rare to bring up Instagram proactively because it's their their sterling brand. And that's people who still love Instagram and still think it's a great place to go, and they really enjoy it. And I really do think that Instagram is sort of this future of Facebook, which Mark Zuckerberg really does not like hearing. (laughs) Well, and WhatsApp too. I mean, Facebook in retrospect, when you look back at those two acquisitions was brilliant in not rebranding them, you know, Facebook, Instagram, or Facebook, WhatsApp. I mean, keeping those separate, there's a lot of people who use those who have no idea who owns them. That's totally right. I mean, I think even my parents did not know that. It's just sort of, it's a very, and I think other companies are going to start doing that too. To that point, Uber bought a bike company called Jump and they never rebranded it to like Uber Jump or something. You know, it's just sort of let these, let 
a thousand brands live and and hopefully they don't trace back to the company's misdeeds. Is there any reason to believe it? And I know he's got voting control, so he can't really be forced off the board, uh, you know, outside of some massive PR campaign where all the board members threaten to resign. But do you believe does the board still have faith in him? I think so. It's funny. I've talked to folks all around the company and the sort of general consensus I get is, yes, things are bad. Yes, things were slow and, you know, everyone was sort of not on board, but no one really has, you know, if you say, okay, is there a moment when we're going to get rid of Mark or Cheryl or whatever? No one has like a, okay, we're going to go to this next person. There's no real contingency plan for who the next leader is going to be. No one can really imagine a world without Mark Zuckerberg as the head of Facebook. You know, what does it say if you can't picture anyone else as the CEO of your company? Maybe that's good. Maybe that means that your leader has always been sort of the one to control it. Mike, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Dan. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is an overnight stunner from Japan, where longtime Nissan chairman Carlos Ghosn was arrested for allegedly underreporting his income over many years and also utilizing company assets for personal use. The company's board is expected to remove him and another director later this week. Why it matters is because Gone had, in the words of Axios auto reporter Joanne Muller, a superhero mystique about him. The guy who rescued Nissan from bankruptcy and used alliances, not mergers, to turn it into a global powerhouse. Now, though, Gone is gone. And finally, the White House Correspondents Association announced this morning that it won't have a comedian perform at its annual dinner next April, instead going with Ron Chernow, the historian and biographer best known for writing the book on Alexander Hamilton that became the basis for Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical. And look, I am sure Chernow will be interesting, but our politics and media are in a pretty sad state of affairs when no one will risk taking a joke. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great national Play Monopoly Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.